Right, God bless you, everybody. I'm here with my brother Chris. Welcome to the Illegitimate Game. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. This episode, I'm talking to my brother Chris. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about influences. And we're going to talk about the value of being Christian men in unity and supporting and loving each other. And please, once again, if you enjoy this content, please like, subscribe, share, tell somebody. This show is all about Jesus and how we're going to walk with him, how he's going to lead us, and how to be men of God, and how to work with each other and support each other and love each other. And the truth and love wins. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome, brother. What's going on? God's still good. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So Happy to be here, man. Appreciate the yeah. invite. Yeah, it took a minute, you know, but God knew the perfect time. Yeah. You know, we I think we set up a council twice already. Did we? I think no, so. No, we just one time. No, we didn't set the date yet. The so, first time we didn't set the date, yeah, and we were supposed to have a conversation after. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Yeah. It was like after church or something like that, okay. and we just never locked in that conversation. Yeah, so that, so we canceled once. Yes, I, we didn't well, schedule it the time we were supposed to schedule it. Oh, so, so it took, technically fault. it took like three months to schedule. It. Okay, I take the hit. That's something on me too. But I, I just believe God times. God has the perfect time. I believe that too. He knew the events that were going to happen this summer. Yeah. And he knew your busy schedule because you everywhere. I don't know about everywhere. Chasing the money, chasing chasing favor. What, what you want to call it? I don't know. Are you chasing anything? Yeah, let's start there. Let's start sure. there. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm chasing anything. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I guess you call it that. Because... Cause you're a Levite, like I'm not a Levite, so I can't speak for that. Mm -hmm. I guess it's the it's the sorry, I didn't cut y'all. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say the the life of the Levite, cause it's music, it's worship, it's God, but then there's still you. Yeah. So is it chasing or? I guess so. I feel like okay. I, I guess the best way to put it is, I feel like I am trying to achieve a thing, mm -hmm. like a big picture thing, and then I'm not old by any means but i'm also not young in the sense of i'm not like 19 you know or 21 yeah. and i feel like i've been going through like the learning years and stuff like that and there are certain things that i want to do and i've been like trying to figure stuff out for like the past 10 years you know like through bible college stuff through just learning and now it's like the you got to do it thing and I feel like there's a clock ticking in my head, like, okay, you know, to where like life's going to change and I can't do things to a certain extent the way I want to when like I have a kid one day, you know, or when I'm married or like all of that stuff, like life's going to change. Yes. And I can't eat ramen noodles and spend my last $100 on like a plug in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, or do something like that to that extent. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like a pressure on myself, you know, that's like, you got to do it. If you're going to do it, you got to do it right now. You know, you got to figure it out right now. Before so think, you have responsibilities. Yeah. And I do have responsibilities, but I can sacrifice to a way that like, it's not fair to maybe sacrifice yeah. when like maybe you have a newborn and that per like that child is dependent on you to be present fully. And I could be totally wrong about that. But that's just kind of how I feel. You know, so when you said, are you chasing something? Yeah. 
I feel like that's where I'm at. So you want to be all you can be while you're still single. And then... Yeah, I guess so. You know, like, I want to be married, you know, like, um, but I don't know. I, that's the best way I can explain it. And it might be like an unfair pressure that I put on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps me going. Okay, let me ask you this. When I was talking about God leading you, you just said the word married like three times. Mm-hmm. So is that <laughs> where your heart at? Or, yeah, like I want, okay. Or is she saying something right Well, here's, I'll put it this, I'll put it to you this way. This is a prime example. Yeah. You know, like I live on my own and I have an apartment I rent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Rent's like insane right now. It just went up again the second time. Wow. Just dumb. But, yeah. um, Foreign and- I want to get a house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I drive a okay car. You know, I just keep dumping money in it. It's a little old. But it goes and I don't care. It goes. <laughs> um, yeah. I could have a house or a down payment of a house, but it's that down payment is sitting in my living room. And what I mean by that is like, I did the math one day. It was like a couple guys that were over. And I just was like, I looked and I was like, okay, how much is all this stuff? And it's a very large number. So that is like the investment right now. Yeah. And I guess that kind of says like where your head's at to say emotionally I have dumped everything into that and learning and growing. You know, I went back to school not too long ago. So I do emotionally want to cross that into that area of life, you know, and growing forward, uh, it, whatever. But I've invested like everything into that. And that's a ministry thing too. Like it's not just buying guitars on guitars on guitars but it's like trying to get the right guitars and buying the right interface uh paying for tuition for school taking courses like getting all the equipment getting the microphones like getting everything i need to get versus kind of just like well i feel called to do music i feel called to make stuff i feel called to step into this area by god yeah and i guess it'll happen when it happens it's like if you feel called you should invest in it yeah. So that's what it's your not like I is where your heart is. Right. And I think at the age of 29, I opened my eyes one day and I went, oh, I put like 98 percent of my treasure into that thing and have for the longest time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you still got time to paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah the artistic brain. Yeah. Just got to find a way to. So are you trying to monetize it? Or are you just trying to be what? What would you label success as? God, that's a great question. God creating your platform I, um, or you using that's your a, gift to make a platform or both? That's a great question. Because um, we just talked about, off camera, we just talked about Fred Hammond. Yeah. Like, is that what you would call success? Um, I guess a bottom level, which is like not a good thing, but the base level is to be able to continue to do those things and and uh, have a good, blessed, comfortable life to where making music or production, mixing, making songs, whether it be for the church, whether it be for the worship night group, anything, and it's not necessarily costing me to the point where I can't continue to sustain it. Okay. Because making money in music is hard. And, like, the, the get rich stuff, like, there's a reason there's, like, uh, what, what does someone say? Someone said that's like, 
I'm probably wrong on this, but I know it's close. It's like 30,000 new songs uploaded to Spotify every day. I believe it. And all of those songs are not getting like a million streams every year, you know, which I think a million streams makes you like $10,000. If that, probably. Yeah. So there's people out there that are making it. They're not necessarily making anything back, but they're making it from their heart because they believe it's going to make a change. They believe it's for someone. Um, but to be able to do that and it not necessarily cost me in a sense of like, I'm pulling from rent money to continue to try to make projects to bless people. So True. that's kind of like a, a base level that I would say is successful to continue to do that and to be able to have longevity in it. And I think that's why most people stop is they just can't afford to have live projects. They can't keep affording. They can't afford to make an album without like getting funding from someone or doing a GoFundMe thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. But if I can continue to do that and continue to make what I feel God's put on my heart to make, continue to invest in myself and grow and not have that, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to, you know. Eat your next meal. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to eat because, yeah. So I think that's the base level of success for me. Okay. Yeah, at least break even then. Yeah. Or we go the long route and we figure out how to do it all ourselves. And we just, because that's what we had to do with a couple of projects. Oh, God, I have some stories about some. There's been some train wrecks on the way. Oh, trust me, it ain't all been perfect. But Start doing car washes to pay for the CDs. <laughs> just calling in favors, you know, and or yeah. just. Because I remember when I was little, the church we was in back then, every time we would want to do a youth event, mm-hmm. every weekend car wash. Standing in front of KFC or McDonald's somewhere, yeah, washing cars all day, yeah, until we made that four five hundred dollars to pay for the van to go on the youth trip, yeah. So I remember them days. You know, like, okay, here's a prime example. I'll give you one, as far as like the figuring it out, yeah, and stuff like that, and just having to do what I had to do, uh, making like t-shirts. And this is I, I wanted to make some t-shirts for the team at like the worst night event that we did like two years ago or whatever. So I went to a company here that we ain't giving no free publicity out over here. So we're just <laughs> not going to say their name, but um, whatever. Yeah. I went to them and I was like, I need six t-shirts, right? And I like clothing. Like I'm in the fashion. I know where levels of how much a shirt should cost. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to use this like shirt and I got my design. And they were like, cool. This will be like, you want like 12 of them? It'll be like $35. And I'm like, you think I'm stupid. That's what it is. You think I'm stupid. $35. But I'm like, that's crazy because this is like a $10 shirt y'all are making me. But it's going to cost me $35. So I'm just like, no. Yeah, they want you to buy 500 of them. Which I get it on a business level. Like, they got to make their money. Like, I get it. But I had enough of a brain to go, no. $35. So I'm just going to dig, 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 dig. And I... You know, I didn't have my business license at the time, but that led me to get a business license that then led me to figuring out how to get shirts wholesale, which then led me into learning how to screen print, which then led me into this, which led me into that. And that's how, like, everything's been. Everything's been, like, figuring it out. You know, that might be a four-year process, but is it worth it? Oh, not four-year. That might be a whole-year process. Yeah. But is it worth it? 
to struggle for a year, but then like in 10 years, what like did it yield from it? You know, so that's how like everything's been. Yeah, there are those moments where God has sent you down that trail to, to learn 15 lessons to get one thing done. It all comes together. And then one year later, you're the master. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know I can do all that. Mm -hmm. Just like the, like the book. I designed that whole book to cover everything. I remember that. I remember when you gave that to me. Yeah, I remember when you finished it. I still have that at home. Yeah, it's, I learned so much just designing my own book. And then I wanted to start my own publishing company, which led me hours and hours on the computer in the library trying to figure it out. Yeah. And that's when I started motivating other people. Like, yo, writing the book is easy. They're like, no, it's not. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> that is funny. You said something that's funny. Here's why I said that's funny. Yeah. You said writing a book is easy. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> I feel, and some people are going to be like, you're wrong, whatever. I feel like anyone can sing. I didn't flinch. I didn't flinch because I wanted you to know I meant that. Here's why I said I meant that. I remember going to Bible college. Like, you you just sparked that up. I, I remember Bible college, and I was okay. Like, I was okay. You know, I could sing a little bit back home, you know, and stuff. And and Brian put a lot of time into me, and it had my confidence up. Brian Pound. Yeah. Shout out Brian Pound. Shout I love you, brother. Man. I love you, man. Yeah. And uh, I went to Bible college, and I sung, and I did my audition. And everyone, it felt like everyone was better than me. I made chorale, whatever. Yeah. But I took lessons for like two years. And I was the very annoying guy that was doing like vocal exercises and warm-ups <laughs> like every day. I remember to this day, there's a guy named Jordan Govin. Shout out to you in Indiana, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But he used to take naps at noon. And every day at noon, he lived on the floor underneath me. All you heard was... Mama, 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 like just doing exercises. But I saw the chains go wow. over two years, yeah. you know, that I went from like never being able to really get solos. And I just worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and tried and auditioned and tried and tried and tried. And it came together, you know? So that's why I, people are like, wow, you're so good, bro. Like, not hyping myself up, but they're like, man. I wish I could sing like you. And I'm just like, you can if you want to. If you want to. There's like, no, I'm not. I don't have it. And I'm like, yeah, you do if you want it. And they think I'm playing. Like, they think I'm like, oh, you're just being kind. I'm like, no, I feel like you can <laughs> if you want to. If you want it more than anything else, with the help of the Lord, obviously, you know. Yeah. Because you're definitely going to need encouragement to keep going, you know, after you've been doing it for two months and you don't feel any change. But then to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, it's... Yeah. That's one thing I think I loved about my mentor I met back in 06 mm -hmm. is he was able to break the Bible down to those basic lessons, how everything's not a ghost spirit war. Jesus ain't going to fall out the heavens and give you them vocal cords. Yeah. You have to drink your lemon juice and practice. Mm -hmm. And he just broke it down like one of the lines he used to say all the time said, if you think you can, you can. Mm -hmm. If you think you can't. You can't. can't. He was the first person I ever heard say that. I've heard other people say it, you know, since then, but. Yeah. I just sat there like, wow. Then he would go through the Bible and tell us, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. The book of Proverbs talks about it. Jesus talks about it. If you do the work, you'll get a result. God will bless the work. Our issue is, especially with social media, is we compare. Oh, yeah. So I could spend, they call it, you ever heard the 10,000 hour rule? Yes. I could spend 10,000 hours practicing the same, and you could spend 10,000 hours practicing the same. Mm -hmm. But... I may never be Luther Vandross, but that doesn't mean I can't sing. Yeah. You may be the perfect Chris. I may never sound like you, 
but I would be the perfect Derek. But we're not supposed to sound like each other. That's where we fail. Yeah. Because I can't do what Luther Vandross does. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. There's only one Chandler Moore. There's only one. And you know spoke, what? You know what I mean? So on like building on top of that is I think we're like yeah. addicted to perfection, perfectionism. That too. that too. And nothing's perfect. You know, I uh, was seeing a Christian therapist for a little while. You know, good resource. You know. Pastor knew about it, you know, whatever, cool, you know. But that she said something one time, you know, I used to say things and it used to get really annoying because I would say things. She'd go, no, don't say that. Say this. But really she was like shaping my mind. And I was just like, yeah, it's just not perfect. It's not good. And she said, okay. And I was just like, what do you mean okay? Like, she's like, yeah, nothing's perfect. Nothing. And we know that because we say it in church, there's only one thing perfect in this world, and that's Jesus. You know, there's only one perfect man. He was the perfect man. We preach it, and we, oh. But then, like, when we apply it to, like, our work, or we apply it to, like, our lives, <laughs> or things and projects and yeah, stuff, yeah. and then you'll be like, it's just not good enough. It's not perfect. And it's like, I know. <laughs> and she, she literally, like, drilled this saying in my head. She was just like, finished is better than perfect. And that sounds crazy because you'd be like, no, you want perfect, but you're never going to get perfect. So finished is more important. You know who else says that? Who? Tell. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Finished is better than Tell perfect. All time. Finished is better. Thank than God perfect. for a good producer. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. But it's, it's true. Like, finished is better than perfect. Finished is better. I am about to put out a song that is two years old. But it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> and it's good. But I sat on it for two years. Yeah. I have another song that like I one it took time. It was the perfect timing. Like it was the timing to wait. But sometimes we sit on things and it's like it's not perfect. Man, I made a t-shirt for someone the other day cuz I'm trying to like get into making t-shirts for other people, you know? Say word. Trying. Oh my god, it's such a hard learning curve. It's so frustrating. Okay. But I'm trying. Yeah. Whatever. And I brought it to him and I was like, "Bro, here's the shirt." Like it's not He said, "Bro, that looks cool." <laughs> and I was just like Oh, you know, I'm not going to charge him. Like, it's my boy, too, but it's for his company. And I'm I'm learning and he's letting me, like, use his graphic to try and screen print and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I was like, I can never show him this. But he wears that shirt. Like, you know, it's not perfect in the sense of it's crisp edges and whatever. It looks like it's a distressed vintage kind of shirt thing. But he liked it when he saw it. I was like, that's yeah. kind of cool. Now, that's yeah. not what he's going to pay for. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of like, yeah, that's cool, man. Good enough for him. It was good enough. Or I could sit in my room and make shirts for three years and never show anyone anything because I'm just like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You know, or music. Yeah. It's not good enough. That reminded me of this uh, this gospel rapper I knew. This is back in the day when we had CDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an entire closet full of CDs and boxes. And we were sitting in the living room one day talking, and there was another gospel rapper in there with us. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, man, I want to start my next album, and I got these ideas, and da His man was like, yo, you got a closet full of CDs. We need to sell those first. You trying to record a new album, sell this first, build your audience, and then go on to the yeah. next thing. You have to grow. So, it's a process of growing. Um, there is a very well-known artist that i followed since, like, Oh gosh, I followed them since 2011. Yeah, and they win Grammys now. 
but I remember when they were making music with their friends and it was just like, this is the young person that makes music and I'm young and I want to make music. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was horrible, but it was creative and there was someone who liked it and they just kept putting out stuff and you go back and look over their discography and it's like, wait, they just kept getting better. But we want to wait until like we make Grammy music or Grammy albums. Yeah. Hey, I believe you should put your best foot forward. But like, I know people who mix and would mix for other people, but they won't mix their own stuff, which is weird. You know what I noticed about that? I think, well, I know, cause I went through this myself. Mm -hmm. I don't think, sometimes we don't want to reveal our heart, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to art. Mm -hmm. because it's, if I'm singing, because when I used to rap, it was the same way. I wasn't never scared that people didn't like me rapping. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of how you might judge my content because I might say something personal. Mm. So I need the art, the music, the beat. I want everything to be perfect. Mm. So when you see my heart, you don't single that part out. Mm. So if you like the song, that's cool. But if I say this one line of something vulnerable, you might hear that and judge me. So I used to hold on to my rap songs for a long time. I didn't want nobody to hear it, mm -hmm. except for the three people close to me. And I would still be sitting in the car sweating when I put the CD in. You know, it's funny. It's like, I think different genres. Um, I'm processing, if I should say what I'm about to say. It's nothing bad. It's nothing yeah, bad. It's nothing just, bad, probably. Because yeah, rapping, you coming from my heart, right. my experience. You know, in every other style of music, we do that. And I yeah. think we can hide with Christian music. Because you're talking about Jesus. You know what? You're right. Because if I wrote a song, <laughs> you're right. Because if I wrote a rap song talking about Jesus, if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you, brother. There's something wrong with you, brother. I'm praising the Lord. You I'm have praising to the like Lord. I, I can't. You need to get with this. If you don't but like then, it, you're going to hell. But then, um, <laughs> oh, man. You know what? There's a, there's a song that I just wrote. Oh, when did I write yeah. it? Yeah. I wrote it yesterday. Yesterday. Because I was really sad and bothered by something. So I wrote a song. And um, the first word was, um, I was made in God's design. Maybe I'm a little too kind. Like, And the reason I said I'm a little too kind is because in that moment, I wanted to confront someone about how I felt. Okay. I was upset. But I have the tendency to not vocalize my feelings with my friends and it's people pleasing. Okay. You know, like it's people pleasing. So I'm just like, just don't say nothing. It's cool. Let it go. But that first line was, okay, I, I made, we're made in the image of God, you know, like, and that's true. True. But I'm also a little passive sometimes and I won't speak about which causes more problems down the road. Yeah, it does. So like, that's a very honest song and there's more words to it. <laughs> but, um, I could I could have just wrote the song and just be like, God sees me in my struggle. He's the God of the mountain. Like, and there's nothing wrong with like, because he is the God of the mountains and he is the mighty that, you know, and that's appropriate yeah. for worship services because we're singing about him. Like, I'm not going to go up there and sing about myself tomorrow, you know, in service. Like, they'd be like, oh, y'all don't do that in church? 
Sing about. Oh, 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 look, it took me a second. It went over my head and then it went, oh, 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 oh. But you know what I mean? Like, I know, I know, to go I know. up there and sing about like my inability to communicate my feelings. Yeah, we, I know. We but had, there are we had some. Conversation before. You got, wow, that was timing. When you said we don't do that, I was about to be like, no, no, we never. Uh, we do sing about ourselves. Yeah, we we can have that. But in a broad, generalized thing, I know. you know, we do have some songs that are very personal that might be about a testimony. But like, yeah, there's a, it's different. There's than, a time for that too, because I remember, because matter of fact, I just found out there's a Christian club here in Richmond now where they have Christian music, open mics. I know that. that. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about it later. I don't want to say the name on camera. But there's a Christian club in Richmond, so I think there's a time. To have that eye music, yeah. even though we call ourselves saints. Yeah, I agree. But there's also a time to look straight up. Mm. So like a Sunday morning, that's when we look up to him. And right. every song should be about him. Mm. You know? it's, the, it's the setting. like the Yeah. Setting. yeah now, I get so, what you're saying. Just like the Christian rap. Yeah. If, if I'm in the hospital and I have a family member struggling, I ain't going to be in there Christian rapping. That'd be a little that, odd. Yeah, that's a worship moment. Right, 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 right. Uplifting. I'm laying on my face moment. Yeah. Shekinah glory moment. Because mm -hmm. we ain't going to be rapping in the hospital. Like, I need Jesus. People do it. <sighs> <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's about, it's about yeah. the appropriateness of like, yeah. The setting. Yeah, because I, I meet people who claim to be Christians who hate Christian rap. I'm like, yo, you can't hate that. They're, that's their expression. Well, I, there's a time for it. I get how some people have association things, and like maybe for them, it was such a hard thing to give up um, that music yeah. thing. You know, like like you said, even like spoken word environments or like Christian slam poetry or like yeah, I went to one of them too. That was awesome. But to the person who that environment maybe was associated with something else. Okay, I guess. But then just to say the style, like, I'm thinking about what I was going to say. But do you have to, but, say, like the way my mentor explained it, I, I quote him a lot. I already told you about it. He was yeah. there when I got saved. But I don't have to hate it. It right. just may not be my favorite cup of tea. I think that's a maturity thing, But though. you don't have to hate a thing. Yeah. Like Christian rock. I don't listen to rock, period. Right. But if there's a Christian rock concert, I'm not going to hate it and preach against it. I ain't going to lie, though. Some of them screamo worship joints back in the day when they would take songs and put it in minor keys. It was a little scary. But, <laughs> but, but I don't have enough time. It's a little scary, though. Yeah. But do we have to have enough Do you have to, to hate, hate it? it? Yeah. I mean, if it's edifying and they're, they're lifting up, yeah. you know, God in their own way, it's traditions. It's just traditions. You know, like, yeah. and, and how... It's, I don't have enough time to... Like you said, maturing, I learned through the years, I don't even have enough time to preach against and hate everything now. Mm -hmm. There's so much more, like you said, edifying stuff I could be doing. Yeah. If you're taking all your energy to hate a thing, what are you actually loving? Yeah. You only have 24 hours. Am I going to hate on y'all for doing that? Because, see, that's one of the main things I had to learn. My, my teacher kept saying this over and over again. Who does the saving? Jesus, Right. right. So he's going to get everybody he's going to get when he's ready to do it, when they're ready to submit. So what, who, what am I, who am I helping by hating? Yeah. I could love these five people instead of preaching down on them. God's going to get them when they're ready. He does the saving, not me. Yeah. 
and some of that is like church culture of like how some people are, you know, in sometimes we model things how like our parents were, you know, or some people are from hellfire and brimstone. And that is, you know, somebody just got triggered when they heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody watching this is gonna get triggered. But then some people, <laughs> some people. I was about to keep going. Did you see me pause? I was just like, yeah. I, but I paused. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And that's okay if that's your cup of ministry and that's your preaching style. <laughs> some people are very like I don't want to say motivational speaker ish, but some people that is their approach. Like they're a lot more easygoing. They're the communicator that's like easy to understand. Some yeah. people are used to the. Hooping, I need my organist to back me up, and yeah. you gotta, you know. And yeah. I think, like, you know, before coming to, uh, you know, the organization and church where, you know, I'm at now and where we're at now, yeah. I moved through a little bit with my dad, you know, and we saw a little bit of everything, yeah, you know. And coming from where I, where I was raised, it was that shift, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just tradition. It's tradition. just. People like church a certain way, and that's their yeah. thing. Okay. You know, but I don't, I'm not going to get mad and just throw shade at the person who goes to the church where they shout every service. Like, and I have friends that we need a good shout. Like, what we would do to like a deep worship, glory cloud, man, you could just feel the presence of God. And we were on our faces crying for 30 minutes. Yeah. They get the same thing from shouting. For 30 minutes like it's refreshing to them like yeah. it's it's yeah. god came in and touched them and it lifted their spirits um or they got a word or they got this and they did that you know yeah. so a good organ to get you there it can get you there i've, I've been there i want to shout man i've been there my feet just don't move the way it <laughs> needs to i i learned how to i learned how to move in those environments i know how to yeah i got my arms and i can i got to bounce i just can't glide can't glide yet i don't know Yes, yeah, and that's cool. I mean, we. But the hate thing, though, like what you said with the hate. Yeah, hating doesn't. I don't. It doesn't help anybody. Mm -mm. It to makes me, you look horrible, honestly. I I would call that a different form of pride. Mm. Because now I'm putting something down. Yeah. But especially like with my three kids, what I learned. You don't have to knock people down to teach the lesson. Yeah. So I could tell you, like, look, there's too much sugar in that Kool Aid. Mm -hmm. Next time you make it, use less sugar. But I don't have to berate you and throw the sugar away. Yeah. Throw the Kool-Aid away. Slap the Kool-Aid on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate this. No. Hey, yeah. look. Oh, this is sweet. Thank you. Next time you make it, use less sugar. Mm. And when you turn your back, I'm going to put a little bit of water in there to water it down. Because I don't want to hurt you either. Because I appreciate the effort. Yeah. I think that's much more accommodating to somebody trying to find Jesus than hating everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... And like it's the same amount of energy. I can yeah. encourage you with ten words or berate you with ten words. Which one's gonna get you closer to Jesus? You know, it's funny too, we talk about this and like people's preferences with church and yeah. stuff like that. And we have a very, very, very diverse culturally age range, musical styles and preferences. Yeah. And that used to keep me up at night. Like trying to make worship services. Oh my gosh. And like it got to a point where we would do like 
a gospel, this type of song. And then we would make a hard shift and do like chain breaker or something like that with like, which is country. And then we're going to turn hard again. And then we're going to tag an old hymn and then we're going to turn hard again. And now I'm going to try and get you on the floor. And it's just like, you can't please, you can't pick and make stuff or make a worship set. You should think about the church. What connects with that church? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is, so many things connect with it. Yeah. But I would rather tailor a worship set to be like, we're going to do gospel this Sunday. We're going to do this this Sunday. I'm, it's in the back of my mm -hmm. mind. But like, I can't please everybody every single time. Like, it's impossible. Yeah. We're going to have a John P. Key Sunday. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Like, all five. The funny thing about it is last weekend, we, I think it was last weekend, it was yeah. one of these services. Yeah. We switched it up and we did some older songs. But when I used to try and be like musical whiplash, you lose people anyway. Like, yeah, the beat changes, the frequency, everything. Yeah, it's insane. I remember a couple Sundays. I can't remember what the event was. Oh, I was about to say single de Mayo, but there was a few Sundays when y'all were singing songs in Spanish. Mm -hmm. That was mad fun. Yeah, because I was pretending I knew Spanish. <laughs> there it is. Like, look, I know. Look, <laughs> I know. I know when someone don't know it because they'll be like right here with me. But the minute the hands like right here and they're up at the screen, yeah, yeah, you that, get that clap. That was me. And they squint. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know it. But it's okay. Like we me. have such a loving church. Yeah. But it's just, thankfully, not as many people get mad when we don't do certain things. But hating on other musical styles, I don't understand it. Like. You can poke was, holes in it too. Yeah. If you wanted to. You'd be like, oh, do you like guitar? You like guitar? And they'd be like, oh, I love when that guitar is yeah. going. You'd be like, oh, well, that used to be bad. Because yeah. guitars were considered. The drum was demonic. Once upon drum. Oh, you better not come in this church with them drums. I remember that. I remember that. Oh, them guitars, you better not come in here with that world music. Like that's what that was guitars and stuff. So I remember the old churches with no air conditioning, no carpet, and everybody had a tambourine. But then if I do that. And I start poking holes in things, and I get called in the pastor's office, and he's like, "You shouldn't do that." I I'm like, "Yes, sir. Sorry." But yeah, yeah the hate with the musical styles is because I'm because I like when I first first got saved, I put myself in the sanctification box. I'll say there was a maybe six months, maybe mm -hmm. maybe six months. I hated everything because I was scared. <laughs> of everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. Put myself in a sanctification box. Like, mm -hmm. Okay, God, you got me. Mm -hmm. And one one of these days, I'm gonna share my whole testimony with you because it was a very dramatic, traumatic moment. Mm -hmm. So I hated everything. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't even go into a room with a television because I was like, okay, Jesus, what are we gonna do now? So I hated rap. I hated I hated everything for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I finally, I think it was I want to say it was Shekinah Glory. I fell in love with that album. Mm -hmm. You remember that song? Yes. I think so. He said, yes, Lord. Will you say yes? If I told you my will, would you say yes? I'll play for you later. Yeah. But it was, this is too like, I don't want to lie on camera and be like, yeah, I know that one, bro. Yeah. And then I'm just like, actually. Yeah, because they had Awesome God on that album. You know, and Awesome Desmond God. Pringle yeah. did that song. I'm not going to grab my phone and look it up. Yeah, because William Murphy was on it. Anyway, there was a time when I refused to listen to gospel rap because I used to be a secular rapper. Mm. So it was about six months. I ain't want to hear nothing affiliated with hip hop. Then little by little, when God let me know you're not going to hell for music, it's about me and you. Mm -hmm. Then I started letting down those barriers because I was walking in fear, not faith. Mm -hmm. 
which is why I always thank God for the mentor I had at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and my wife kept telling me, you're super sensitive about a thing that was personal to you. Because when I was rapping, I was cursing God with my lyrics. Yeah. Because I was, I was in a bitter stage. And um, so I was mad at, but that, like I said, that didn't even last a year. Mm-hmm. Once I came out of fear and started understanding faith, you're not going to hell for a drum beat. And you, but here's, you know what? You know what I mean? So... <clears throat> Some people are in a situation or they're in like such a sensitive thing or like when most people first get like saved, you know, yeah. they're just like, all right, I got to stop this, 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 this. If that's, I look at it like this. If that's what you feel you need to do, yeah. but do, do you, it. But do you stay there for 40 years? <sighs> it depends on how big of a strong, it's all personal. The, the, the danger comes... Yeah. When like the extra mile has to then be like preached in certain way. Now I'm not going to speak against protecting yourself, boundaries, guidelines, and stuff like that. It is biblical. I mean, if you had a drug problem, you don't want to go to the. You should not go. I get that, but there are some people that like they had such a strong association with a thing, Mm. or it's just like, just like you know, God can deliver us from like the penalties of like sin and death, but sometimes the consequences of you drunk, you were drunk for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like your liver. It's gone. Might be. Now your heart's right. Your spiritual heart's right. You yeah. know, and you can overcome that. But that person may need to never see a bar because it's that much of a temptation for you. But that's what you got to do. That's if that's, that's what true. you need, sure. But then sometimes you get interested in where like people will take that and then that becomes like the their, their doctrine. Yeah, and I'm now just like, you got to do it right. And, <laughs> okay. and at the same time, like if okay. that's your pastor, you chose to be under that pastor, okay. so you should probably follow that. Like you chose to be that. You didn't yeah. have to. That's funny because I saw he just reminded me of this video I saw on TikTok. This pastor got on stage and I, maybe five or ten minutes. He spent the whole time talking about women's clothing. Mm-hmm. And somebody in the comments was like, sir, that's your problem. Yeah, You're lusting after those women. Why are you talking about this for so... He just went in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, something must have happened at that church. That's what I was about to say, too. It's like... Because do you stay there that Media long? is tough sometimes. And I will say, like, you know, our bishop now, he was really he would be really wise sometimes. And not, not wise sometimes. He's a very wise man. You know, mm-hmm. he's a great man. And... There'll be those times where he go, this is not a live stream moment. Can we turn the live stream off upstairs? Okay. Because it's a housekeeping thing. Okay. And sometimes we put housekeeping things on the internet and it's like, this is for this church. This is for this body. This is something we need to address right here Mm -hmm. that we don't need to broadcast and may not be edifying to the internet. Okay. So yeah, that person might be like, that's clearly something you're struggling with. And it's like, no, you don't go to that church in East Tennessee. Wherever. And yeah. all the girls are struggling with this. You know, he's got 20, you know, young adult girls that might be dealing with this thing. So he might have felt, I've really got to say something. God's leading me to say something. So something happened. But you put it on the internet and yeah. they're just like. You're a bigot. You're a, oh, you're and you don't have context. Yeah. You don't have context. So you don't know. So yeah. I'm I'm slow sometimes to be like. Judge. Like with the hate thing, you throwing stones at something and you don't know the full picture. You don't even attend that church. 
Yeah, that's that's what I thought when I saw it. Because he went in, and if, of course, it felt extra. Because mm. I'm sitting in my truck just watching a friendly video. I, like you said, we don't yeah. have any context. So it's you easy to judge. don't have the context. So I'm thinking something happened in that church. Because he, he, he went and, in. And, and, went or, and you know what? And there are times, too, where, like, spiritual abuse is a thing. You know? It could be a thing. But yeah. your internet comment is probably not going to stop it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your your comment on your YouTube, comment. it might drive up the algorithm, you know, but outside of that, it's probably yeah. not going to get in there and hold a pastor or a leader accountable that needs to be held accountable. No, it, it makes you look wild. Like if anything, you, you should know. pray for him and write a letter to the church. Sir, I saw this video. You what don't happened? know. You don't know. I'm a, I'm a minister in Virginia. Can you explain this moment? What happened at your church? Maybe we could prevent sure, this. If you want. And even that is like. Yeah. Internet's a wild place, man. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a wild place. There's a because if you take 45 seconds of anybody's sermon, you can disqualify them yeah. with 45 seconds because you don't know the whole sermon in the whole moment. That can be anything. That can be anything. I'm gonna tell you how I discovered Tiffany Montgomery when mm -hmm. she made that statement about the Beyonce concert. <laughs> I never heard of this woman before, but she got all this hate online. And it came up in my little algorithm. Mm -hmm. This woman's a hater. I hate y'all Christians. I'm like, what do we do now? What do we do? So I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, I agree with probably 90% of what she said. Who is Tiffany? So that sent me down a rabbit hole. They're not going to listen to that an hour and 45 minute sermon? Nah. They just heard this part about a Christian. Yeah, 30 judgment. seconds. So I, look, it actually benefited me because now I like her. She says a lot of good stuff. And that's a wild place. <laughs> it's a wild place. Yeah, you, you actually promoted this prophet. <laughs> so, but they're quick to hate church folk. Mm -hmm. But you don't know the whole thing. And then when you don't even know the rules, which is what I, you know, I talk about on the show a lot. If you understand the whole thing, you'll understand where we're coming from. Yeah. But you're also trying to give light to people that don't want it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you could expect the misunderstandings and the hate. Because mm -hmm. some people just ain't ready. Because I know church folk who still follow secular artists and get mm -hmm. caught up in them trances. Yeah. But you say, I love Jesus, but you expose yourself to that. Like, like people who know me personally, they know I love Wu-Tang. But I'm not going to a Wu-Tang concert. <laughs> it's probably not the best. Not in 2023. <laughs> yeah. Because why would I expose myself to a different energy yeah. and say I love God? Because God don't want me to go now. I, like, and, you know what I mean? You like, know, and, and full <laughs> transparency, right? Like, just being real. Yeah. When it comes to, like, production and mixing and things like that, like, doing what I'm doing, you know, and trying to continue to grow in, it's hard because you can look at things from a technical aspect and go, like, wow, creatively, or the mix on this, or the production on this, mm -hmm. or the arrangement of this and that. Arrangement. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you can get a lot from it, but you're probably going to get sucked in if we're just being honest. But it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's kind of tough. You know what I mean? Like, Because you could feel that energy in the room and not understand the spirit. But I went to an Onyx concert. Yeah. Yo, I, I could feel it. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it was felt, not the Holy Ghost. You felt that energy in the room? Dude, it was... Uh, <laughs> You see, have you seen the mosh pits? Bodies flying. Yeah. Yo, it's and it's fun. That violence becomes fun. I've never been in one. Oh. I couldn't do it. <clears throat> I couldn't do it. God bless you. Because they're just like, you know, doing that. But 
And I used to work with a guy who used to go to those things, like, right. and he would come to work with like just bruises on his face. And he had a smile on his face. Oh, he loved it. He loved it's it. It's a different energy, man. I've never went in a room and said, "Please hit me." <laughs> I've never. Some people are in it. Some people are into it. It's a it's a thing. Like it's a thing. It is. But I couldn't do that because, yeah. you know, they're not. They are aiming at people. Yeah. But you can't be in there squaring up with people. Like that's not mosh pitting. That's fighting. So nah, it wouldn't we work. For me. Even if I could do it, you don't know where that elbow came from. You don't know. But it was so much fun. I, you know, I'm sorry. This has not. This is not a spiritual <laughs> moment. This is not a spiritual moment. But oh, I love seeing the, the live stream. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing. I love seeing videos yeah, of you see the mosh pit like clips on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. And there's always that one woman that's just like, and it's like they're mosh pitting. Go over there, like, and she's just like, "Don't you hit me? Don't you hit me? Don't you hit me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, you hit yeah. me?" And it's just. I had nothing to do with anything, but yeah. I love it. It's the best. Yeah. She always gets hit. She always gets hit once. She always gets hit once. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. Like, that like was the time a... you see it, she's covered in mud. Yeah. Decked. That's, they call them smashing pumpkins for a reason. Smashing pumpkins? <laughs> Are you teaching me stuff? You teaching me stuff. Yo, you remember? All right. I was about to start going down this whole list. I ain't trying to lead you down the list, sorry. No, nah, it's cool. I'm, I'm a few days older than you, so I remember some of this stuff. Mm. Chili peppers, Limp Biscuit, all that crazy stuff. about chili peppers? I oh, remember chili peppers? Yeah. They, they, they had a couple songs. Oh, I know of them. Yeah, they, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Tim knows a few more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, Joe, that on it, man, you can feel it, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you remember, I know you remember the DMX music. Oh, yeah. His music will take you straight up and straight down. You know, oh my gosh! Yeah. So when I was, oh man, how old was I? I had to have been. I couldn't have been no more than twelve. His first album was nineteen ninety nine. Right. You making me. You just. You taking me down memory lane. Yeah. Because you said music going up and down. Yeah. Because one song you're hype, then the next song he depresses you, then the next song he hypes you right back up. It's on purpose. It's a spirit. It's on purpose. Yeah. But he. It's done that way on purpose too. Because yeah. if it was like. Also, if it was ten minutes of an album of depression, you probably wouldn't finish it. Like you, you got to come back up. No, that's called Nirvana. <laughs> but go ahead. But I, I remember I used to have this CD player. Yeah. And my Walkman. That's what we call it. It was a Walkman. And I had these over ear like DJ headphones, like we got from Marshalls or something like thirty yeah, bucks from that. Sony something. Yeah. And every time we got in the car, I always had music on. We used to do a lot of road trips. So I would listen to a CD, one CD. Yeah, I don't care if it was one song. I might want one song. The whole time. And I just remembered, again, I'm like 12, 12, 13. And I remembered being so into like a couple of these CDs. Like I had 50 Sin, like I had all the hard stuff. I used to listen to hard music, mm -hmm. you know, and I got used the money from Cutting Grass. I'd always go get an album from, uh, man, what was that? What was that music store? It's not there anymore. Chipotle. FYE. Not FYE, it was another one. Where Chipotle's at? Oh, Melodian? Yes. Oh, I don't know. It was a record store, and I used to always get CDs. Okay. And I would go to the front, and I'd be like, I would like to get this one, please. And my mom would be walking to the register, but like, you're not old enough. Like, my mom's right there, and they go, is he okay to give this? And my mom would go, what, huh? Yeah, and I'd be like, awesome, cool, here's my money. And just hard music, like aggressive. And, yeah. And I remember I was like really sad. I couldn't explain it, but I was really sad. I was really, really like down. And I heard, I watched a movie with my mom and I heard a song on it. And I was like, wow, I like that song. And it was uh, Three Little Birds by Bob Molly and the War uh, Whalers. I think that was the Whalers. Yeah. And the Whalers. 
And I went and bought that album like that next week or something. I cut grass with my dad. I bought that album with my grass money. And I, I was just listening to just that album. And it was so positive. It was just feel good. Just, oh my God. And that's, I didn't know half of the stuff he was talking about, but I knew it was positive. And I realized after like two weeks of listening to that, yeah, I was like, wow, I'm really happy all the time. I'm really happy. And like my whole, so you're talking about like the spirit in music. I was 12 or 13 and I just noticed I feel good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then I, I kind of to test myself, like I had heard a song on something and you know, I was like, I'm going to get that album. And I listened to just that. And it was like heavy. It was like, Oh God, I think it was NWA or something like that. I, it was something. Yo, I, <laughs> man. I heard the song on a movie and I Ooh. bought that out. And that's like, that stuff's crazy. That that yeah, stuff's hard. Was, they were wild. NWA, Too Short. A lot of people back then, I couldn't, I couldn't even make it through the whole tape. It's I'm like this is just again. Monster. I'm 12 years old. Like this, yeah, you probably, but I knew this music was like this is hard music. This is heavy music. Like I should not have been. I should not have been listening to this music at 12 or 13. Yeah. I should not. Okay, I'm not saying that it's fine. Don't yeah. listen to it. But. I noticed my mood shifted back. And yeah. that was the first time that I realized, like, oh, yeah. music play. I'm 12, 13. You know, I all, I've always loved music. I've always, music has always been kind of like my little escape of a thing. Um, it's medicine. I look at music as medicine. So obviously, it's not the same medicine as spiritual, like gospel, yeah. Christian music, spirit led music. But even just that, you know, I'm, you just took me there when you said the DMX thing and how it would take you down straight up and it would take down. you up. So when people say music doesn't affect you, it does affect you. you know, it, like anyone does. who says that and believes it, they're lying. Or to them, that's what they want to feel so that you're not affected if that's what you want to feel. That's a whole nother eight-hour talk we could do. Because what you want, yeah, that's a whole... Wow. But we could shift this whole conversation and talk about that. <laughs> if that's what you want to feel, no, it's not affecting you. Yeah, it's, thank re, you. it's reinforcing. Thank you. It's reinforcing what you already want. What you already want anyway. And that's how I felt about like Snoop Dogg. I, I hated him from day one. Yeah, because I, my, I grew up in church. I wasn't always saved, but I grew up in church. Yeah, and then I always loved women. There's mad women in my family: cousins, aunts. Oh, you know my mom. Yeah, and his language is very. So when he came out disrespecting women, I'm like, why is he doing this? Mm. And I keep my I'm a kid. Mm -hmm. I was. When Snoop came out, 90, cause Tupac died in 96. So Snoop probably came out in 92. Mm -hmm. So I think I was 14. So even at 14 years old, cause I already discounted NWA. I hated them anyway. Mm -hmm. Cause it was just stupid. And then Hammer had his moment and New York hip hop was half spiritual, half street. So yeah. it had a little bit of substance to it. But when Snoop came out and he just kept talking with the B word and the H word, I'm like, yo, this dude's a fool. Mm -hmm. So I never liked him. And I didn't, I don't want to discount God, but I didn't need the Holy Ghost to tell me that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Why is this dude talking bad about women so much? I'm going to school every day trying to make girls happy and laugh because I want them to like me. Yeah. He's disrespecting these women. So I never got into his music. Yeah, I don't know. There's like the art argument where they go like. But that's not art. That's 
I, yeah. That's predictive programming. That's brainwashing. Like, that's demonic yeah. before I knew what demonic was. Yeah. And then he made that Murder Was The Case video. You remember that? Mm-mm. I didn't see that. Oh, well, there's clips of it. You may not want to see the whole thing because it's a spell. Oh. But there's a moment when the devil came in his room and turned into a black crow. So I'm like, yo, this dude's stupid. Mm. So I, it, even though I was a sinner, there was a limit. You're your morals. Gonna, your morals. Yeah, because that's not even art no more. You just angry, mad, and you're projecting it on me. And you, I don't. But don't you know that. what? I hate to say don't it this way. When it comes to like music business, they say like any publicity is good publicity. I hate to say it that way, and I'm not yeah. saying it's true. I'm saying it works. That's, it works because we're talking about Snoop Dogg right now. Just, so we're promoting him right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess indirectly, you know. But like, you'll remember the thing yeah. that stuck with you, whatever that means. And that's what I loved about Wu Tang because they would talk about God in the streets, and it was some, it was negative stuff, but there was always some knowledge in there. Mm. Like, if I knew better, I wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. God helped me through this, like the song Heaven and Hell. Yeah, it's like you chose it. Like if you listen to the whole song, you're choosing it. Mm-hmm. And then they would tell these stories because they they're great storytellers, like Nas. They'll tell this great story, and then at the end, the bad guy dies. And they're like, yo, don't do this, kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, whoa, I can try to have this. a sense of morality behind it. Yeah. So that was my excuse mm-hmm. for listening to them people, especially Nas. He's a great storyteller. So yeah. even so when I finally came back, you know, to gospel music, I wanted some good gospel writers. Mm-hmm. And then when I found a few, I would just keep listening and listening. Yeah. For a minute, every <laughs> That was about a year span. I think it was 2007, I think. Every song I listened to was a Hill song. Because they had some great writings, Hill song, great songs. And Hill song had the church world in the chokehold in the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was 2007. It was, yep. That whole year, every CD I had was a Hill song CD. And, oh, and I had one Fred Hammond CD. They, you know what they did? And this is, looking back, I kind of figured it out. They had songs that were very singable, um, very congregational which are like hymns are congregational. Everyone can sing along. And their albums, the most popular ones were the live albums. It was. Because you would listen to it and you didn't realize it, but you feel like you're in the room. It was great production. And they capitalized on those live, tons of people have been doing live albums since forever. Gospel like albums were live for like a very long time. But they they would get the crowd, and it took me so long to go like, what is the thing that I love about this? Like, how am I? It's the crowd. Yeah, I'm you singing get... along. Like I'm at the like you said, I'm at the concert too. And when we're at church, I hear the people next to me, or I hear the room. Yeah, they do. They they did it right. Your song. They did it right. But then, bad for them in some ways. And you used the word earlier about arrangement. They would get you to this peak and then bring in the next piano. People forget. I don't agree yeah. with all some of the crazy stuff that's happened, you know, whatever. Lots yeah. of churches have had issues. It's not okay. I don't condone it. Yeah. But, I mean. That music got through some. for a minute. They got a lot of people through. That, huh. Donnie Chuck had that voice. Emmanuel, gone. Like that one word. Like the first time I heard that song. She said, Emmanuel. I was like, wow, Emmanuel. I'm singing. So it's like, like I said, music is medicine and energy. Yeah. And there's a couple of them Hill songs I listen to at the gym because they just be killing the drum. Mm. Like that song, Everything. I don't yeah. know if you remember everything. But that drum part, like, girl, gonna, going. Yeah. I you hyped it, up, boy. Yeah. Yo, I play that. In, and then the live one, there's an 11 minute version of it. 
on mm. the live, live in Miami. You can listen to that whole that album. I could play live in Miami all the way through. So the you show. already know what I'm about to say. Yeah, that drum part in the middle. When I be at the gym and I need a kick, yo, I play that Hillsong joint. I'm drums know. larger than life, man. Dude, that live in Miami. So you seen the video? Yes. Okay. I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, that's yeah. They know what they don't. People forget about that stuff. I, I remember what got me through. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, I look at it almost like sports. When I know I'm weak, or if I, let's say I lost a fight, mm -hmm. I got to go back to the training camp. So I go right back to the fundamentals. Yeah. And Things if you ever catch me in church reading the Book of Psalms, you know I'm starting over because I had to do my homework. Get back up again. Yeah. That Book of Psalms and Proverbs, get my mind right. And, Man, well, I'm trying to think. What was the book? Matthew chapter to, 5. You just kind of spoke that up. My book used to be Job, man. That's Job. depressing. Job? Yeah. I just realized yeah, that. That's depressing. Some, dude. If your go-to book is Job. <laughs> There's so much light in that book. But it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. You, it ends, it ends, it ends like restoration. I'm, I'm glad you said that. When I was young, it was depressing. Now that I'm 44, it's life. Because I get it now. And I'm glad you, matter of fact, yesterday, today's Saturday, yesterday I was at the gym. I meant to put this in my phone. I got a word from that too. I might do a whole video on this one. But there's this one section in there, and you read the whole book though, right? This is the part I got yesterday. When his friends came to him, they didn't speak for seven days. Yes, that one. Sometimes we need to be quiet mm -hmm. when other people are going through. Because we don't know the whole story. Yeah. And we don't have all the answers. And Thank you. We don't even have the right answers. Yeah. So now we're offering mad alternate opinions on something we know nothing about. So now you, you, you sitting there praying like, God, what is this? And God says, one, two, three. Here comes Derek. Yo, yo, Chris, man, I'm saying, I mean, I got a word. So now you got four, five, and six opinions. Mm. Then another brother from the church come with his opinion. Now you got nine things to worry about. Instead of the first thing God said, you ain't even dealt with that yet. Yeah. But now you got all these people speaking into your life. Now you know what to think. Yeah, you got to control, control that. And, you know. So I just extended your suffering. Cause and you know what? I think, too, like, there's two sides to that. Like, I'm trying to learn with friends to say, okay, are you asking for advice? Mm -hmm. Or do you just, you just kind of want to vent right now? Okay. And it used to make me feel weird. But I would act. I'm I'm learning that it's actually a positive thing, yeah. Because I'm able to be there for that person in a certain way, and learning that lesson because I don't have all the answers, honestly. And I'm gonna be honest. Another thing is most people that give you a lot of advice, if that advice is horrible and it falls through, they're not gonna be there to clean it up for you. They'll be like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry." Better look next time. <laughs> Better look next time, man. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> But I obeyed you. <laughs> right, right, right. You told me, you told me to send that text and I'm fired. <laughs> what? Can I stay with you? Uh, I got that. I got to ask the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to work, man. That was <laughs> you know any jobs is hiring? No. Yo, that is so ill. Yeah, most people aren't going to put. It was, yeah. I think it was Jordan Peterson. He said that about the government. He says one of the problems with the detached government is they're making decisions that don't affect them. Mm. Why are he, He's like, why are we trusting people who are not going to suffer for their decisions? So I, you can do that on a micro level. Mm. Friends, family, husband, wife, kids. Like, like my kids, I took a lot of extreme ownership of my kids. Mm -hmm. 
But there's a time to, like the Book of Job, just be there, but don't say nothing. How was that for you? Like, it, that concept of like, like we both just said, yeah. I am not a father. I don't know. That's yeah. why I'm kind of asking. I'm just thinking. When you said like, you're a father, you take ownership, you're there, you're present. Yeah. But in those moments where you're just like, I don't know. You're asking, how do I deal with that moment? This is, okay, well, my first son, I blew it a lot. That was a learning, training, proving ground, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, this is what I learned. Always have a, always have a plan as the foundation. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't use it, always start with a plan. Like, like let's say you had a son today, right? In your mind, you're gonna say, "Okay, I want him to make Not music." Just... <laughs> just, I'm just, I mean, playing. I'm just playing. Yeah, I'm trying okay. to give you a, a no, no, no. I template. get it. I trying get to build it. a template. Mm-hmm. You have a son today. You sing, play the piano, and you play the drums, and you play basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So you, your son's born. You're gonna say, "I." I want him to play music and I want him to play basketball and football. So you got a plan. He's already going to go to public school, private school, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what you do. You always have a plan. I want him to be healthy. I want him to learn sports. I want him to have Christian friends. I want him to be an axis. So every Friday and Wednesday, you know he's going to be at church. That's right. your starting plan. Hmm. Every day we're going to read Psalm 23. That's your starting plan, right? Mm-hmm. So when all hell breaks loose and you don't know what to do, you stick to that first plan. Hmm. Okay, I don't know what's going on. He's going haywire. He got kicked out of school. We still going to church Wednesday. Yeah. We're still going to church Friday. Yeah. You're still going to do your music lesson. You have to, Something has to stay disciplined and standard and coordinated and consecutive. Okay. Because what happens is if you don't have any order in your life, yeah. everything's out of order. That's structure. But if you have a structure to begin with, when things go out of order, you know that's the problem. Mm. So if your son starts wilding, and you'd be like, well, look, three months ago, he started dating this girl. That's the variable. Mm. So pretty much what you're saying is have structure and pay attention. Yeah, because, yeah, and then even, yeah, because something, something has to be orderly. Mm. So then you know what shifted. Yeah. Because, like, my oldest son, he would change when he met certain kids at certain schools. When we switched churches, his attitude changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. When he played football, he acted away. Basketball, um, he did baseball, track. You know, then cell phones came out. I did everything I could to keep him out that phone. So when everything's going wrong, you have to find out what's out of order right now. Yeah. And me as a father, I noticed I had certain jobs that would stress me out. Mm. So sometimes the problem was me. Mm. Then I had jobs where I would be home. Like when I drove trucks, I would leave Monday and be home Friday. I ain't seen my son all week. Mm-hmm. But if he was acting up in school, do I cuss him out on the phone? You see what I'm saying? So then when I come home, now he's mad at me because I cussed him out two days ago. But I was in Pennsylvania on the phone. Yeah. But he was acting up in school. Hmm. So you got to have that, I like the word you use, structure. So when chaos comes, you know where it came from. You can, what changed? Yeah. Because I was. It was. Yeah, some, something has to be routine. Mm-hmm. Something has to be structured. And sometimes the problem is the parent. And sometimes the problem is he's 12 and he's smelling himself. <laughs> it's, the, it's the reality. Like my daughter, when she, when she hit that growth spurt, she's like 5'10 now, bad at two chains. Because <laughs> she's smelling herself. Yeah. 14, I'm 5'10. These, and she's just come home and saying, them little boys make me mad. Them little boys at school keep looking in my face. Them little boys, them little boys. Now I'm laughing because it's my daughter. Yeah. 
but I also see the confidence and the pride. But I also know she's 12, she's 13, she's 14. We're going to grow through this. Mm. Just don't buck at me. I'm still dead. <laughs> don't get crazy. Yeah. Don't get too crazy. Yeah. Just keep smiling and hugging me. I'm going to give you your money. You ain't got to bully me. And I'll, <laughs> I'll give it to you anyway. Yeah, yeah. We spoil the girls. But that's the, that's the beginning. Now, I said I'd like to say this. You got to do that in your own personal life, too. I got to have a routine and a structure. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> hey, pause the tape. Pause the tape. And yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm not one that subscribes to burnout. Yeah, creatives. First of all, we're the worst. I hate to use that term. It's like cliche. Hey. We are the worst. Like, oh my gosh, was it Edgar Allan Poe who said there's a hairline between genius and insanity? It's absolutely insane. I think Edgar Allan Poe said that. Somebody it's, put that in the comments. I think Edgar Allan Poe said that. Because you make things based off of like inspiration, right? Yeah. And I'm in a weird place, and yeah. I will tie it in. Here's another thing: I had such like I was in such the emotional space to be able to communicate with that song I was talking about writing earlier. Now it's the next day. Okay, you have to fix the chords. You have to finish the words. I'm not sad anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm okay. I had the conversation. <laughs> I had the conversation. Now I have to go back to that place, and I don't have that, but the discipline and structure wow. of finishing a song, and a lot of creatives do that. They get inspired, motivated by a thing. Man, I'm going to put the this thing out. I'm feeling it right now. Three months later, what happened? <laughs> You lost focus and structure. So that's the key. Because I'm not in that mood anymore. That's the key. That is the key. Like, if you can stay focused, and, and, and I do not win this battle all the time. But I'm as I'm getting older, I'm learning that, like, you just have to do the work. Yeah. You have to do the work, and you have to be consistent. And it's you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to feel emotionally motivated to do it. But if you do it and you stick with it. Yeah. Structure. Wow. Yeah. You just reminded me of this. Uh, He's a secular rapper, but I still like the idea. Mm -hmm. He put a studio on his tour bus. That's smart. Because he said, when the moment comes, I want to hit it right now. Yeah. So he started making beats and rapping and doing everything on the tour bus. And then when he got off the bus, he laid it down because the work was already done. So it's kind of like you said about the mood. You he, he never left the mood. Yeah. He did it right there on the right tour bus. Right there. So now I just need to go in here with the mixer guy and perfect it. I don't have to go back to that place. You know, it's, it's funny. Someone told me uh, back when I was, you know, trying to make it to the league, you know, and then my growth spurt stopped and I wasn't, in fact, 6'5". <laughs> I stayed at 6'1 <laughs> and a half Yeah. since eighth grade. Never happened. I should sue that doctor. To <laughs> but no, I'm just playing. But I just remember at a camp, you know, one time yeah. this guy was saying there's like Probably 24 more LeBron Jameses out there playing ball at their local park that didn't make it. Whether it was grades, whether they weren't disciplined, whether they didn't work hard enough. Yeah. That's just naturally gifted. Six, eight, you can't teach that. That's just God gave them that thing. But there's only one LeBron James in the sense of he followed through and took it all the way through. It's like that with music. It really is. Like there's a lot of people who are amazing and creative and have a, a podcast, you know, like has ideas and want to communicate and connect with people and give things, but everyone's not going to follow through. And that's the separator Dude. when it comes to arts. 
I'm gonna tell you, yo, that. <laughs> that's how I, I feel about my books because I know I got a hundred more in me. And the, I said this before, but the first time it hit me, I was in the seventh grade. Yeah. And a teacher, a nasty teacher, but on this particular day, she actually said something good. Because mm-hmm. we had to, used to have to do journal writings after lunch because that was her way of calming the class down. Mm-hmm. You could either take a 15 minute nap or write a journal entry. If you You're write a journal one. I entry, took a nap. But <laughs> you, you took a nap, yeah. I would, yeah. Well, no. But if you did the journal entry, you would get like an extra five points and she would put that in her little grading book mm-hmm. and it would give you a boost. Yeah, that was her motivation to make you be creative. Yeah. And then some people would just re- pull out a book and read. But it was our quiet time. Yeah. Then journal time, I was just, boom, just bursting with ideas. And I would just write stuff. Yeah, I was playing for the Redskins and my brother played for the Vikings and da-da-da-da. I was just writing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I would write about stuff that actually happened in my neighborhood. And one day she was like, Derek, you're actually a good writer. You should be a writer. I looked mm. there like, what? No. Can't write because in 1991, what is a writer? Yeah, like I'm not or in school. I'm not Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like yeah. I'm supposed to be doing football. Yeah, I'm supposed to be worse than Bo Jackson. It's cool to be Malcolm X, but a writer. Yeah, the only writer we knew was the James Baldwin, and I don't want to be identified with him. Yeah, he was a very interesting fellow. Uh, yeah, I want to be James Baldwin. <laughs> you know, then but so that goes back to exposure and education. Mm-hmm. There are millions of good writers out here, mm-hmm. and I'm. But I didn't know in 1991. Mm-hmm. All we knew in 1991 was Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, yep. Spike Lee, Malcolm X, Doug Williams, because this is right after he won that Super Bowl. But I didn't. If I knew then what I knew now, and if yeah. I was around the right people, yeah, maybe somebody could have nurtured the gift. Exposure breeds a burden. That's that's yeah. what uh, uh, Jim Saliva was an instructor at my Bible college. Yeah. And he used to always say that exposure breeds a burden. And it's true in a lot of different ways. Like you said, the, if you've been around it, in a lot of ways, being around some of the, I had the love for it, but being around it and seeing people do it, or the mm-hmm. first time I got to go in uh, Fido Di Giovanni's like, studio space and he had his own this and that set up. And I was like, ooh, that's nice. I want that, you know, but. Because there was a couple of rappers in my neighborhood. So part of me wanted to rap. And not, at that time, it was Night of Nature was hot. Yeah, I saw, saw it. it. Then Pete Rock and Seals Move came out, talking about Chocolate City, Caramel City, and they were half Muslims, whatever. And they were talking about loving black women. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I could do that with a jazz beat. So what is jazz? Yeah. So I got curious about jazz music. But if I met other writers, now that I know what I know now, God called me to write. Because mm. even when I look back at my old rap songs and my notes, I was telling stories then. Mm. And God was bleeding my heart then. But I was... You know, I I just thought of something. Putting the pieces of puzzle, like, together. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize, like, okay, there's the, this is cool. Mm -hmm. I want to rap. Rapping is cool. But we didn't want to write because that won't cool. But Grandmaster Flash was a nerd that took stuff apart and put it together. That wasn't cool. But he did a thing and was able to figure out a system and that kind of became cool. And a lot of the musicians are the people that didn't go to the parties and didn't whatever. I wanted to apply myself into that. I don't know, I just had a moment where I just went, you know, cause even with, like when I was in high school, 
Yeah. He was playing football. Like, anybody want to... I did take musical instruments lessons and sung in the choir at church stuff. Yeah. But I wanted to do the football thing. Like, I I wanted to be Larry Fitzgerald, even, even though I was a defensive end. Yeah. My coach wouldn't let me wear number 11. But that was cool. You know what I mean? Like, I took band class for one semester and I actually dropped out. I was like, I want to learn a guitar. But that wasn't cool. But if I had stuck to the thing that wasn't cool then and kept on going, yeah. maybe we'd be a little further down the road with some stuff. But it was all in God's design. Most, it was just, yeah. you said that and it kind of, I don't know, it was very random. But it was just one of those, <laughs> it was like, that's odd. The most famous producers from Virginia. What's the name of that group? You talking about NERD? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and my favorite people, I say it all t- too much, actually, is Wu-Tang, mm-hmm. the RZA. He used to say this all the time. I'm just a nerd with beats. And he brought the gangsters together because they were the real killers. He was the nerd. He was. I was going to say, some of them. <laughs> if they didn't rap, they'd be somewhere else. Yeah. But he saved the lives of 40, 50 people by make, putting them together with the contracts structure. Yeah. And they fed their families with that music. Yeah. And even in a secular sense, a lot of these people that push these things, like rappers, okay, people that want to model themselves after like certain types of rappers don't live the lifestyle that they rap about. They rap so they don't have to continue to live their lifestyle. The ones that do continue to live their lifestyle usually die or other things. So... And one of them faked it until he got shot. And his whole life was alive. Yeah. He shot himself in the elevator. <laughs> so, yeah. Remember I, that? Like, the, the joint with Tupac. Remember they said he got shot four times in the elevator? That whole story was a lie. <laughs> he got shot once and he shot himself because he got scared. Yeah. Yeah, he shot himself in the leg. Artists the gun was tech- make personas. It's a persona. Yeah, the whole thing was a lie. Now, some, a couple of them. Some of them, I mean, some of them, we know some of them lived it, yeah. like like Fifty Cent. We know that was real, but he still. It's funny, like I I listened to his audio book where yeah. he's talking about like leadership principles and certain things and about music stuff. I was bored back when I was driving that truck at Centos. I listened <laughs> to all kinds of stuff, but one of the things he talked about was yeah. he did say about structure and the people you keep around you. He had a strong no fighting policy. He does not drink. He does not smoke. And the times that he would do shows and stuff like that or public events Mm -hmm. where he would, people would push him to want to drink, he would dump alcohol out of the bottle and put ginger ale in it. So it looked like he was drinking, but he's totally fine. His mind is clear. GK, look the way he looked and be a drunk. (laughs) No. Alcohol alcohol literally burns him. You can't look like that. No. Alcohol. So it's a persona. Alcohol deflates muscle. But it's sold. And people that want to live their life buy the product. What did we say about 12 minutes ago? You believe what you want to believe. (laughs) So I want to be deceived. That's one thing Joe Button said that I agree with. He said the problem with the Internet, he said, is the Internet took the camera behind the curtain and now you can see the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. So nothing we do is awesome anymore. So now everything just got elevated and exaggerated. Well, when you play the popularity game, that's where we go back to the yeah. negative publicity. Because even the women, every woman artist that comes out now is naked because she ain't got nothing else to hide. So I had to be naked to get your attention. I uh, it made me. So I'm sorry, we just keep rabbit trailing. Nah, but cool. um, I, I heard someone say something about you know everyone knows about Flavor Flav. Yeah. 
as an artist and how crazy and wild and all this other stuff and wearing clocks and the crazy reality TV shows that he had did later in his career and stuff. But someone um, said he actually is like a musical prodigy. And he's one of the most amazing piano players you've probably ever heard. I believe it. And then it was on Instagram, and they cut to a clip of him at like some big music convention thing. And he's playing classical music on the piano. I believe it. Like he's good. Like he plays classical music. He's like fifty something now, whatever. He's sitting at a piano, and he's just and he's it's amazing. I would have never assumed that because all I've seen was some of the like wild stuff attached. That to made him famous, and all of that. I'm kind of glad we went down this trail because it also shows what happens when you have the the world versus God's kingdom. Because mm-hmm. when you're in the world's kingdom, it's all driven by flesh and pride. So now we have to get into all the theatrics, the ratchetness to get attention. Got to court views. But if you, but if you're doing it God's way, He draws all people under Him. It should be. So why can't we use our gifts and talents to lift right. him up? You'll still get the money eventually. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing I learned about the kingdom is you don't always need the money. You just need doors open for you. And he'll open those doors and take care of it. Yeah, or at least he'll give you the he'll give you the raw materials to make what you need to make to get to the doors yeah. too. And when you're living for God, you don't need seven Bentleys. Be nice, but no, you don't. No, 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 no you yeah. don't. Yeah, no, you're right. Because right. even the famous people who get there, they always do that one interview. It wasn't even worth it, man. It wasn't even worth it. Young people, love your craft. Don't sell your soul. You just spent forty years to get to that level. Now you're telling me you're not even happy there. Mm. Fulfillment. So, so we we spend all that time working for the enemy. You get all these toys, and it still don't make you happy. So if you just stayed with God, He'd have gave you enough. Yeah. And you never would have had to go to that length. Yeah. Because like, my favorite female artist has always been the one who never took her clothes off, and that's Lauryn Hill. Yeah. So you can be, look, famous, get your money and all of that, and just operate in your talent and maintain a spiritual life. Yeah. I don't want to call her a Christian, but she never <laughs> took her clothes off. She had a sense of morality, I guess, about her work. Yeah. Like, her, like earlier when you said happy, her album was one of those happy albums. Mm-hmm. MC Hammer, you listen to MC Hammer, you're not going to be depressed when that tape goes off. Yeah. So Lauren Hill was more positive. So you can use your God talent gift and still have a good life. Yeah. And you don't have to go to those extents to draw attention because it ain't about the flesh. You're glorifying God. Yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. Because God's going to give you enough. But Mm. you have to want God. It's true. And, you know... It kind of made me think of some things. Uh, There was kind of a season where people were really bashing some of these music award shows for some of the crazy stuff that was coming on. Yeah. And I agree. Like, I don't think that's a great thing to put on television. And it's wild. But what they don't realize, or most people don't realize is, Award shows, anything television is about ad dollars and ad revenue, and you only make money if people watch it when it comes to these big shows. So if I'm going to build a show, we're going to give away awards and we're going to have some people perform. I'm not building a show. Yes, I do believe that there are agendas behind stuff Mm -hmm. that people go, we're going to push this on purpose because this is, but just as heavy 
is they're going to give you what you want. They're going to put people on there that people want to see. So a lot of these shows are reflections on society and not the Grammy Academy. Man, listen, that's a. So it's like, yeah. it's like you're yelling at the building, but not the people who made the building. And that's what you're missing is like, they're putting that on television because your kids are streaming the song. <laughs> so you can't get mad at them for being like, how dare they let this person go up there and do that. It did that because that's the music video. That's probably the most watched in this year. And most of the people that are streaming it are not like 55, 65, 70. They're from the ages of like 17 to, 12. to like 12 or 35, 17 to like 35. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's your kids and your like, so parents have to have structure yeah. and pay attention, like you just said. And maybe when their kids say, I don't want to watch this, then maybe the Grammys go, we're not going to put them up there. But the, the year they put Maverick City Music up there, as much hate as they get, they put them up there because they knew there are so many people there going on world tours, selling out shows. Yeah. They're, they had one of the highest grossing tours. I downloaded the travel app. They had one of the people can say they don't yeah. like the type of music that they're making. People, some people give them criticism and say that their music is uh, not as structurally this. And it's still, we need music had better songwriting. Sure, that's fine. But the reason that they're making it on the Grammys is because people are supporting their music. Yeah. So, what does that mean? If it starts at the home and you raise people to have good taste in music or good whatever, you raise your kids to do this mm -hmm. and not consume this and they consume that, then yeah, we can actually get gospel music on the Grammys, but you don't buy tickets to tours. You don't buy albums. You don't pay for music. You want it all free. So, but there are, Taylor Swift can go on a world tour and, and sell out soul fire arenas. In 12 minutes. In 12 minutes. Yeah. But Kurt Franklin or John P. Key has to go do the small arena at Virginia State University. No shade at Virginia State University. Thank you for having him. But he should be able to go sell out big arenas. And maybe the Grammys will go, this is what people want. This is what people want. So if your community supports their artists, Yo. then they will be on television Somebody like they used to. Who is the Christian artist that said that? You said if you want more good music, y'all need to start buying on music. Or some way support it. I can't remember who's Or even if you don't buy it, right? Like when an artist goes on tour, go to the show, go to the concert. Yeah. Because that is a reflection. Like I understand the some of the upsetness that people had towards the Grammys. Yeah. But that's how shows work. Yeah, it's all about the money. It's about they don't care. It's all about the money. If you watch the show, we will put what you're gonna watch. Yeah, and whoever's if, watching is who we're going to If entertain. Taylor Swift didn't sell one ticket and another artist who felt in whatever, a thing, whatever, right? Yeah. And then you had named 17 gospel artists that had the highest grossing revenue tours, they would be on television. That's true. Yeah, because when Mary Mary was hot, they got a TV show. You're right. You got a TV show. They got a TV You're going to see them on award shows. Yeah. You're going to see them on certain things. Because they will sell them. So that means your dollars are not backing what your voice is saying. Your heart is where your treasure is. <laughs> money, 
Money always going to talk in America. Where are you putting your money at? Because if you really believed it, that's what you would be supporting. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, matter of fact, how did... Yeah, let's talk about this. How did you get into music in the very beginning? Like, when it um, first started? It goes back to the, uh, the, the comment and conversation, the thing that we had about, as a child, I used to just consume so much of it. Mm-hmm. And music was a way that I expressed kind of my emotions, and I wasn't the best communicator. I was kind of quiet. So that plus the church I went to, all of the children were required to be in the Sunbeam Choir. That's what they called it. It was the Sunbeam Choir. We had no choice. So I had to be in that. So I had a musical background. I had aunts and uncles that could sing, and everybody sung in the choir at that church and stuff. Moving forward, I just loved music. I've always consumed it. And, like, buying albums, this, that, whatever, like, I've just always loved it. And I remember around the ninth, tenth grade, I have a good friend who's still a good friend of mine. He does like a lot of videos and stuff now and a lot of my videos. He had a music group and they were rapping and he was producing. Wow. And I was uh, I was the singing guy and I was horrible. But I would try, and that, but that kind of got me on the recording kind of thing, you know, whatever. And even at the church where we're at now, you know, I remember uh, Brother Rod Walker singing uh, the song "I Am," yeah. And that was one of my first in church moments where I just really felt like, wow, what am I feeling right now? So it just all kind of built on top of itself to where I started doing the music with him in that group. I was terrible. They used to make fun of me. They never used my material. John would use my song sometimes. <laughs> and then I, I come to the, the church where we're at. I want to join the choir. I start. I still love music. I have a new relationship with music. I'm doing that. Uh, then I'm leaving the group. They're kind of making fun of me a little bit, whatever. And me and John recorded a song. Uh, it was called Holiness by Micah Stampley. We recorded that. Micah Stampley. And that was the first time he looked at me and was just like, bro, that's it. And I played my guitar. I knew four chords, and that was the only song I knew because my cousin taught me guitar. Yeah. But he only really taught me four chords for like a month every week, you know. And that kind of got me motivated. I was like, oh, man. The, yeah, this is it, you know. I fit in here. Yeah, you know, I fit in here, and I want to join the choir. And then I'm joining the choir, and I'm making this heavy transition to like I'm I'm cutting out a lot more of the secular music, and there's certain artists that I have really heavy attachments with, and I'm I'm shifting, I'm pivoting over, and um, I finally joined the choir. You know, after I, I got baptized, you know, had a couple Bible studies, um, got filled with Holy Ghost, you know, stuff like that. What age was that? I got baptized in 2012. Got the Holy Ghost in 2011, and didn't realize I got it at a youth conference. Okay. I kind of I remember the experience. I remembered it, but I had been going to the church also passively for like a really, really, really long time. Like yeah. with my dad, and then he left, and he you know started a, a church uh, out in Richmond somewhere. But I stayed, yeah. and you know he he said you can stay because he knew I was getting connected with the youth group. Oh, so you were still in high school when all this happened? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm still in high school, and I stayed. So I had been around. I knew of these things. I knew when someone said, like, 
having the Holy Ghost. I knew that. I knew the lingo of certain things. I, I knew I was one of those guys. I was there, but I wasn't fully, fully connected. It took years before I really got integrated and connected to the church and the youth group. Yeah. But music had always been there okay. in some form of capacity. To where I'm getting into making it with John around ninth, tenth grade, 11th grade. I'm slowly transitioning over to wanting to be in the choir thing. 2011. I graduated in 2012. Yeah. Holy Ghost 2011. Still hadn't joined the choir yet. 2012. I get baptized. I joined the choir. Graduate high school. And right after I graduated, you know, I was supposed to enroll at John Tyler because grades won't write for basketball. So that won't happen. And I was going to go to a junior college uh, in Richmond, but I was like, we are not paying $38,000 a year to like try to go and play a Juco yeah. to hopefully transfer. You know, I, I just wanted to play ball, you know, but I had this big love for music on. And um, yeah, because I met you right before you went to Indiana Bible College. So, boom, I take my placement test. I'm just going to go to John Tyler, pass that. Fine. Everything good. We're good. But I didn't feel like the release to like, go ahead, let's enroll. Okay. I didn't feel good about it. I was like, I don't want to pay on my mom to pay for school because I'm just supposed to go to school. So I procrastinated and I dragged my feet and she, <laughs> get, she said, you were supposed to register for classes. Did you do it? And I'm like, ah, I forgot, which I had been there because I already did the placement. <laughs> I had met with it, um, academic advisors. Yeah. I'm supposed to just pull the trigger and go. Yeah. I didn't feel good about it. So I'm just kind of hanging out, still connected with my boy, John, but he knows my life has changed drastically. Yeah. So I'm not hanging with a lot of the guys from the group because they're still rapping and stuff like that, drinking and carrying on, you know. So I slowly separated, but still kept that friendship with John. And he saw this whole thing. He yeah. saw the whole transformation. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my dad one day and I'm like, he's like, what do you want to do? You know, we, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like, well, you should do what you love. And I was in the choir this time. I was loving ministry. The new guy, I'm new, like fully integrated to the church, the ministry. I'm gun ho I'm fired up. I'm like, I love music. I love singing in the choir. That's what I'm going to do with my life. I said it like that. It's actually, when I think back on it, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like someone should have told me. Speak, what do you mean by that? Speak those things. But I, I was young. I was excited. Yeah. and We be prophesying and don't even know it. But the thing, though, is I'm such a feeler when it comes to music. And yeah. we talked about the emotion stuff earlier. Yeah. That that felt right. And I remember I went and talked to Brother Brian. I'm like, you went to Bible college, right? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I think I want to go to Bible college. Now. Imagine someone who's been going to the church loosely for the past four or five years, loosely, very loosely. Mm -hmm. When his dad start going, stopped going, he would kind of come, kind of got consistent. Yeah. But he'd be here one Sunday, wouldn't be here one Sunday, be here one Sunday, wouldn't be here one Sunday. And then eventually he gets to the point where, oh, cool, he got baptized. Cool, he got the Holy Ghost. Four, three, four months later, he wants to go to Bible college. God's doing something. He was doing something, though. And I remember talking to Brother Brian, and he said, well, if you want to go to Bible college, great. But you go to Bible college for ministry, and you go to secular college 
to, to build a career. I didn't know what that meant. I was just like, yes, sir. Got it. Got it. I went. <laughs> I didn't know he was trying to say, if you want to go and get a business degree, make a lot of money, go get a v- nice paying job. That's what he was saying. <laughs> go, to go there. Yeah. If you want to build a ministry, yeah. develop your ministry and your craft and grow spiritually in these other areas, yeah. which may it may come with some form of financial whatever, may not at all. And for a lot of people, it doesn't. And that's okay. But it was the right choice. But whatever. So I'm like, okay, I go talk to pastor at the time. Yeah. You know, he took some time and I think he saw my growth and he saw how like excited I was and he took a chance and he said, okay, but he knew my parents were behind it and my parents were talking to pastor all along. Yeah. I didn't know it, but they were having phone conversations, you know, like don't this and that, da, 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 da. And from there, it just went. So, you know, it was God. Looking back. Yes. Okay. In the moment of then, yeah. it just felt right, and it was a lot of naivety. <laughs> so, so, but it felt right. Like I, it just, that, I don't know. That's him. That was it. Was him. That's him. Because it it could have ended horribly. Like I could have went, and it wouldn't have been the right thing, and life could have fallen apart. It won't all like sunshine and rainbows. There were like oh, uphills and downhills. That's life. But you that's don't know life. that as a. 19, 20 year old. I'm going to tell you the funny part about that. When you, I always try to compare, like you said, you don't have children yet. And I always have this wrestling match with my kids. Mm -hmm. I was born in 1978 and all the stuff that was going on in the 80s, the 90s, you know, the drug wars, the the explosion of the mega church. I saw all of that because I'm 44. You watched the change. So I expect life to be hard. I think what happened with younger people, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it broad. I think young people expect their lives to be awesome because oh, everything course. looks awesome. The reality TV, the internet, everybody on Instagram is beautiful. So I think the next generation grow up thinking they're supposed to be awesome. And then when things get hard, they quit. Mm-hmm. Or life hates me, or it's me against the world. No, it's not, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah. So, like you said, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. You had to work. We're supposed to work, in my opinion. It almost, I've, I've self-sabotaged myself because there are times when I know God paved this yellow brick road for me. And I know it's perfect. But it's so easy, I get nervous. Because mm. I'm always expecting a fight. Mm-hmm. But sometimes God put grace right here. This is Grace Street. Enjoy this moment. Mm. So. Trouble don't last always. Trouble don't, Exactly. But because but I expect it to be hard, yeah. I'm always ready for the battle. Mm-hmm. So, so when I try to explain to my kids is don't, if, if this moment got hard, don't quit. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep going because you're going to get stronger as you elevate up that mountain. Yeah. But just because there's a mountain there, that doesn't mean God didn't tell you to climb it. Yeah. He wants you to climb it because that's the only way to get stronger. Yeah. So, yeah. So with your career as a, you know, at what point did you realize I'm a Levite. Like, God called me to this. Did it happen at the Bible college or before um, you went? I don't, I don't think I ever, like, obviously, like, the fruit is there, yeah. you know, in doing it. And I've had leaders that have been there for me and supported me and helped me and, you know, spoken 
a word to me or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I never had, I would say, I had dreams. Okay. Like I had like things that I felt like I can see that. I believe that. I feel that. But it all, completely honest, it just felt like it was one decision after another and things working out. And not chance. God was in it. Mm -hmm. But I think that was on purpose because if I saw this, not that I've arrived by any means, you know, I, I still want to keep growing and new things to learn. I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. far, far from it. But if I had even just saw this, then, or God had told me it's going to be this, 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 and this, I would have ruined it. <laughs> I would have ruined it. I would have ruined it. Easy. Right. I wouldn't have been the same person that I am because I would have walked differently. I wouldn't have walked through Bible college like trying to push and grow to try to better my skills a certain way because I would have known, oh, you're going to be a worship leader. I never expected Brian to leave. Yeah, that's. I called Pastor <laughs> when I when I was graduating. Yeah, and I called and I was like, "What's next? What's next? What are we gonna do?" He's like, "I feel like you should come home." And I was like, "And do what? And do what? Sit under Brian. Come home. Serve." And I was just like, "Yes, sir." And I there was you know a friend of mine that you know there was. A, some things then you know that were open doors that i could have went to and i was like wow i'm gonna walk right into a big er position versus coming home and sing on the praise team when i had friends that were going that were like to be a youth pastors they yeah. were going to be assistant pastors there were people that were going to like the mission field mission field like they left went straight to the mission field and i'm just comparing myself to go like I'm going to go. We worked, we grew, made praise, finally got to sing solos, sing on the album. Yeah. You did all this stuff. And I'm going to go home and serve on the praise team. You know, and that's just full transparency. So you had like an Abraham moment, one step at a time. Yeah. He, he had to, he had to humble me. All right. Let me, <laughs> we're going to end with this because we can do this all night. But, but, but I'm, I'm just going to, I want to say one last thing yeah. on that. Yeah. And then, yes, um, it was a humbling thing, but I didn't know some of the storms that I needed to go through to grow because I didn't see myself fully in a certain yeah. way. And had I not been here and I had went through some of the storms I had went through out somewhere else versus home where I needed to be with a pastor that had known me gosh, since I was in middle school mm -hmm. and had the patience and grace to sit with me. You go to someone else's church and you're here because we're bringing you on the team and we're hiring you. Not that they would treat me like an employee or treat me like that type of person, but it's different versus when you're home. Intimacy. I needed that and I didn't know I needed it. Right. I needed that. I'm going to ask you one more. We're going to end with this. I'm going to ask you one more question. I like the part when you said you didn't know. Mm-hmm. But when I remember when I just said we'd be speaking prophecy and don't know it, mm -hmm. I like the part when you said all the storms you went through, mm -hmm. because God gave me exactly what I asked for, but I didn't even realize it till I went through years of consecration and God brings it back to make it make sense. So 
I was a child in Germany. I, I still remember this. It's crazy. It's probably 1985, I think. But we was at a church in Germany. And I was just sitting in church. You know, the old churches, they had the hymnals and the Bibles behind the pews, the long wooden chairs. Yeah. So uh, I remember just reading it one day. And I was reading the part about Solomon. And Solomon was talking to God. And I'm like, wow, people can talk to God back then? Because mm. that's just when our brains work. I was like, wow, people used to talk to God back then? Not knowing you can do it now. So I was reading it, and God was talking to Solomon. And God said, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon said, well, God, I could ask you for money and gold, but I want wisdom. I want to save my people. I'm paraphrasing. You know, you know the chapter. So I was like, God, I want to save my people. I want to lead my people. I want to be a good king and lead everybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't want money. God said, okay, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom and you love them, I'm going to give you the money and the gold anyway. Hmm. Now, as a seven, I was probably seven, eight years old, and I was reading it, I was like, wow. So if I love people, God's going to give me the wisdom anyway, and, and then I'm going to get the money and the gold, and I could be the leader. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, I'm a child. And it just, it literally hit me. Like, you know, so I was like, okay, God, God, give me wisdom. I want to save the world. I want to lead people. I want to be a king. Kings are awesome. I was 78 years old, and I looked at my mom, and it was one of them good mother moments that you mm -hmm. remember. Because I'm sure you got super memories with your mom and dad, too. They were in the ministry. I was like, Mom, look, Solomon asked God for wisdom, and then God gave him the gold later. My mom was like, yeah. I said, can I have that, too? Yeah. She said, yeah, ask God for wisdom. <laughs> just one of the moments and <laughs> so the Holy Spirit know what he's doing so I was like wow so I just remember saying to kid, okay Lord uh, well give me wisdom I want to save the world I want to be somebody all the hell <laughs> almost all hell broke loose <laughs> but it was a whole lot of stuff we'll talk about that in another episode but I went through so much between the age of I want to say I was 7 or 8 because yeah. I moved to Newport News when I was 9 it was 1987. So from 1986 to 2006, I went through so much stuff. Mm. And I really think God was educating me, teaching me, forming me. Because in a lot of it wasn't my fault. I made a lot of mistakes. I did. I went to jail a few times. But it was all a lesson to help somebody else. Mm. And I asked for it. Yeah. Because I asked God for that super wisdom, that worldly, spiritual, God, man wisdom, black man wisdom, all that. Yeah. You can only get it through experience. Yeah. And you don't know it if you haven't experienced it. Like, I could tell you how to play chess, but until you lost a few games, you don't know how to win. Yeah, you're lying. So a moment ago when you said all the storms you had to go through to get your seat, if you knew, you would have said no. Oh, facts. <laughs> so, no so, so, yeah, so like, we'll end with this. You, what did you know about your calling? Or what did you expect or what did you want? Because I'm going to frame it like this. Let's say there's a 12-year-old out there right now who wants to be the next Fred Hammond, the next Israel, the next Maverick. What would you tell them about your walk and growing up as a Levite? Mm. And I, I would say yeah. the, the baseline thing is just invest in your relationship with God gotta have that it's hard to be like a spiritual minister and not be spiritual obviously you gotta know the lord to worship him invest in serving your church whatever that looks like 
So if you're on the praise team and you're like, man, I'm called to music, serve, dive in, be that, dive in. Take every opportunity that with the guidance of your leadership, obviously, especially when it comes to ministry and singing and like stuff like that. Not to say like your pastor wants to control you, no, but more than likely he's trying to protect you because he knows things that you don't know past other stuff. But with the, the leadership and guidance of your pastor, take every opportunity that you can, that's right. So develop your relationship, take the opportunities, and then dive into your craft. Uh, the Bible says play skillfully. And you can be, you can have the heart of a worshiper, but if you can't hold a tune, it's hard to give you a microphone. Or if you can't play, eventually it will be distracting and pull away from what's going on. So you you have to dive into your craft and whatever that is. Like there's no way around it. There's no way around it. No way around it. I think if you do those three things and give it your all and just trust God. So that scripture that says study and show yourself to prove, that applies to music too? Hmm. You heard that? <laughs> Musicians got to go to school too. Yeah. Got to do the work. What's the importance of serving? This is the last one. What does service do? Um, I think it's vital because with a lot of things, if it does become about money, things change and your heart's not going to be right or in it. I'm not saying that's such another conversation. Yo, you're coming back. We're going to do this again. We're going to do it again? We're going to do it again. All right. Um, but the value of service. That's what it's all about. Ministry is is service. Ministry and service are the same thing. Simple as that. You're not serving, you're not ministering. Because it's about it's about other people. Whether you're wow. serving the Lord but or, or you're serving the congregation. Okay. Um if I'm leading to show you how amazing I am, then I'm not I'm not either pointing towards Christ or trying to be connected with the congregation to to see what's going on. It's about me. So I'm not ministering, I'm performing that's the word right there that's it god bless you good night <laughs>